Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Well, happy Father's Day, men. That's right. We're going to have fun on Father's Day, right? Some of you got pegged to the back of the head. I saw that. Yeah, whiplash now. <laughs> it is so good to see you today. We're so glad that you are here today. We're kicking off a brand new series, and we are calling it You Asked For It Because You Asked For It. At Easter, we on the back of our connection card, we said, okay, if you could talk about any subjects, what would you want to be talked about? And so you gave us those. So, and listen, next week, you do not want to miss next week. I'm, that right there doesn't hold a candle to what's coming next week. That's all I can say. It's, it's wow. So anyways, uh, today, we're going to talk about the number one thing that you asked for. Out of all of our uh, almost uh, 1,300 people that attended on Easter Sunday, this was the number one thing that was asked for here. As a matter of fact, almost 1,400 people on Easter Sunday. Ask for this. Number one thing is stress. How can I deal with stress? The number one thing that you asked for was how can we deal with stress? And so today we want to talk about that. Would you agree with me that stress can make you do some stupid stuff? Yeah, anybody do anything else stupid besides me because you were stressed out before? Yes. Yes, so it can make you yell at people. It can make you do all kinds of stuff that you don't do. Like, just sometimes stress can make you just sort of drive and you don't remember that you drove through a town or something like that. Anybody ever had that experience before? Like, wow, how, did I just come through all those traffic lights, you know? Okay, never mind. That's a, sort of a weird feeling. I've had that before. I'll tell you one of the things that happened to me one time. I was so stressed out. It was a, a Sunday after a service and I had had a guest speaker in that day, and I, we'd been preparing for them to come, and they were going to do this, this, past, this evangelist was going to do a three-day three revival with us, and you know, I was so excited, I told our people we'd been praying for them to come, and that morning, he did this message, and he just like he never even prepared. I was so mad. Because there I had, you guys, like it was years ago, you know, had prepared and we prayed. And this guy, like he never, just hardly read a scripture and just like, okay, well, let's take it tonight. I was so upset. My father come into town that week, so I carried him out to lunch to Piccadilly. And again, I got my food and still my mind was on, what's wrong with this dude? And so anyways, I, I, I go to the restroom and I, I'm there and I'm, I'm looking for the urinal. I'm looking for the urinal. I'm still looking for the urinal. You got it. I was in the ladies' restroom. Oh, my God. Then I, like, freaked out, you know, like, ah. By the way, I fired that guy, and he didn't finish the three-day revival. So, anyway, it's, never mind. That's a whole other story. Today, I want to talk about stress. Now, I want to tell you uh, a secret that I'm going to tell you something that you've heard a lot, of, a lot about, about relieving stress, and then I want to put a twist on it for us today. 
The number one thing to relieving stress is this. If you're a Christ follower, is this, is, is let go and let God, right? Let go. How many ever heard that? Let go, let God. Okay. I want to tell you there's a twist to that, though, I think that because I think that's incorrect. Today, what I want us to understand is we have to keep letting go and letting God. You see that? So it's an ongoing process. It's not a one-time shot. It's not something that you do one time and it's over. It's letting go and letting God. Constantly letting go and letting God. Let's just say that together. You ready? Letting go and letting God. Come on, one more time. You ready? Letting go and letting God. And that's what we have to, to relieve stress because I just... Nobody has a stress-free life. Nobody. I know you think if I get a better job, if I had a better husband, had a better wife, had a better children, had a better parents, had, had better, then I would have no stress. Yes, you would. You say, if I had $10 million, then I wouldn't be stressed. Yes, you would, because you'd be stressed on how to keep it. You know how many people would be calling you? <laughs> so what, I'm, We all have stress, and we have to deal with it. So today I would like to give you four principles for handling stress from the life of Jesus. And so these today are very practical. They would, I try to practice in my life, and I hope they will help you today. You ready? Number one, let's write this down. The first thing I'd like for you to write down is the principle of identification. Identification. Write that down. I'm getting stressed now, so I just got a stress ball. I'm just trying to squeeze. I'm just thinking about this now. Got a whole bucket just in case. Uh, but it's identification. Now, let's just read what that means. You ready? Come on. I put the answer out beside or the definition, I think, right beside it. You ready? Let's read that together. You ready? Knowing who you are. Come on, a little louder. You ready? Knowing who you are. Okay, so I see some people over here stressed out, so here comes the stress ball. Oh, it didn't quite make it there. They're scared to touch it. They're like, I ain't touching that, man. You think I... There we go. All right, so knowing who you are. Begins to relieve stress. Matter of fact, Jesus said this. Jesus said, I know who I am, and I even testify that. He said, I'm saying out loud who I am. I want everybody to know who I am. And so knowing who you are relieves stress. Here's the deal. If you don't know who you are, there are plenty of people in this world that will tell you who they think you are. Amen? And if you, and if you don't know who you are, you will believe what they say about you, and you will become what they say you are. You will try to become that. People in our culture want to put a label on you real quickly, right? They want to say, oh, you're a sissy, you're mama's boy, blah, 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 blah. Whatever else title they've said about you, it could be a coach, it could be a teacher, it could be, it could be a friend, it could be you know, a parent, it could be a brother or sister, it could be anybody that does that. But you've got to know who you are, you have to know that. And what I want you to know is that when you, be, when you try to become who they say you are, and not who you really, and don't know who you really are, then guess what? That produces insecurity in your life. When you live an insecure life, here's two things that's going to happen. Two things, I guarantee you. Number one is you're going to start trying to perform. In other words, try, you have to keep acting this life. You know, it's fake, but you keep trying to keep it up because it's not really who you are, but you have to keep performing. And the other one is conforming. You keep conforming, trying to be the person that they say that you are when you're really not that person. And I'm going to tell you, that is so stressful to try to keep that up, to try to keep it up. You see, Jesus told us who he was so we can have confidence in saying who we are. I know who I am. Now I'm going to read you about four verses that are on your outline, and I want you to read the first two words with me on each verse, 
and, and we're going to go real quickly through this, all right? So let's start with uh, John 10 and 9. You ready? Let's shout those first two words out loud. You ready? Here we go. I, I am. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any one man enters, he shall be saved. Here's our memory verse. The next verse is this, our memory verse. John uh, 14 and 6, it says this. Those first two words out loud. You ready? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus, again, is saying he's telling the world who he is. And then John uh, 10 and 11, you ready? Come on, let's shout those two words out. I am. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then the last one, let's read John 10, 36. You ready? Out loud. Now, you ready? Those two words, here we go. I am. I am. Who did Jesus say I am? Who did Jesus say I am? God's son. Everybody in Jesus' day did not want him to claim, make that claim. They did not want him to say he was God's son. They wanted him to say, okay, you're a prophet. They wanted him to say, okay, you're a priest. They wanted him to say, you're a good man. They wanted him to say anything else. But they, matter of fact, they even wanted him to say he was the devil. They said, anything but who you are. And I find in our culture today that our culture is saying, you say you're anything but who you are. They want you to be who they want you to be. But you've got to be who you are in order to live a life that with less stress. So my question to you is this. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? You see, today I can tell you this. I know who I am. Really took me a while to sort of figure out myself, you know. Uh, as a public speaker, as a, as a pastor, as a preacher, you know, you have all these television personalities that were back in the, in the 80s and the early 90s that were great preachers, and I tried to be every one of them. You should have been a part of that train wreck. Oh, it was horrible, you know, just horrible. But I finally decided who I was, but I had to go back to the root of who I am. And, and if you're a Christ follower today, this is the root of who you, who you are as well. I had to go to the root that, number one, I am a child of God. I am loved by God. I am cared for by God. And He loves me no matter what. I am a child of God. And so you are a child of God. You're loved by God. You're cared for by God. And matter of fact, I just want you to know that to, last night while you were sleeping, it was God that sent angels to your house to put angel, uh, the angels around you to protect your family. While you were sleeping last night, God himself was there making sure that you were getting rest. While you were in a deep sleep last night, it was God himself that was guarding your thoughts to make sure that you didn't have a nightmare last night. It was God that does all of that. God puts you on this earth for a purpose and a reason. You have a purpose for being here. God has a plan for your life, and you're God's child. Amen? That is the starting point of that. Okay, so number two, you ready to write this down? Number two, dedication. So we have identification, knowing who you are. Number two is dedication, knowing who you are. You're trying to please. Read that with me, please. Come on, you ready? Knowing who you're trying to please. Okay, I see some stressed out people right over here. Here we go. Keep your hands up. There it comes. Boom. There we go. All right. Knowing who you're... Would you... Everybody look at me just a second. Okay, everybody just look right up here. As hard as that is, as difficult as that is on your eyes. Somebody told me today, said, Pastor, you got your head shining a little extra today, don't you? 
You know what I said? Shut up. <laughs> Was you that rude? Yes. I want to tell you something. Everybody looking at me? Got everybody's attention? You cannot please everybody. Say it one more time, okay? Look at me. Here we go. You. I'm talking to you. Every, I wish I could take my fingers and point right to you. You cannot please everybody. And the greatest stress on people's lives is trying to please the wrong people. You can't please everybody. Do you know that most pastors, in my, like in my profession, most pastors leave a church every three to four years. you know why? It's because they try to please everybody. The way that I've been able to be here for 21 years is to know I can't please everybody. And there's some people that's just not going to like me. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> Say, man, who put something in your cereal today, huh? But I'm, I'm serious. Like, you can't do... There's people that's going to disagree, and, and that's okay. But I have to know who I am, and I have to know whom I'm trying to please, right? As a leader, you can't lead if you're trying to please everybody. Dads, you can't lead if you're trying to please everybody. You've got to know who you're trying to please. By the way, I'm going to tell you this. I have a principle that I've put in place in my life. Because you know everybody's got an opinion about you, don't you? An opinion about what you should do. You realize that? Like opinions are like elbows. Everybody's got two of them. Now some of you are thinking something else, aren't you? But listen, dirty-minded people, straighten yourself up. But I want to tell you, I have a principle called the matador principle. You know what the matador principle is? It's this. The bullfighter, you know, he has a little red cape, right? Like, he's getting in front of that, like, hey, you big bull, come over here and get me. Ah! Which is stupid anyways. I don't know why anybody would do that. But then, then the bull comes charging the red cloth, and what does he do? He throws it out here like this, right? And the bull goes right by. With those people that, you know, really, in my life, I'm not trying to please. They have those opinions. You know what I do? Oh, I listen to their opinion. They give me that opinion, and you know what? I realize that I'm listening to a stupid person who's going to say something stupid. And so what I do is I go, Whoa! Hey, whoa man, that was awesome! See you later. Now, you have those people in your life, right? I mean, do you have, anybody ever have nutcases in your life, too? Okay, you're scared to move right now, aren't you? Yes. So what I'm telling you is that, man, listen, learn to take the stress off. You can't please everybody. And just because somebody says something to you doesn't mean that, that that's the way it should be. You have to learn who are you trying to please. Look what, look what Jesus knew who he was trying to please. He was trying to please the Father. And, G, and God said this in Matthew uh, 3 and 17. He said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well what? God said, I'm pleased with the Son. Well, I'm pleased with Jesus. I want to give you three things here. Look on your outline. I put this here so you can refer back to it. If you don't know who you're trying to please, you will cave into three things. Letter A, write this down. You will cave into criticism. <laughs> oh, boy. Always concerned about what other people think. Do you, do you know there's somebody that's going to criticize you no matter what? If you, do you know there's times around my table at home I can't even breathe right? You ever had teenagers? 
I know you don't know you don't know what's going on, but I'm just trying to eat. You know, I can't even swallow right. Oh, Dad, you make so much noise when you eat. Excuse me. Listen and breathe. He just his nose whistles when he breathes. Oh, God, I'm sorry. If you don't like it, get up and leave. I'm eating. I bought this food. Never mind. <laughs> it's Father's Day, man. Woo! I can say what I want to and pay for it later. Letter B, ready? Letter B is, is competition. You see, we worry about when we worry about whether someone else is going to get ahead of us. You know, here's the deal. When you stop comparing, you'll stop competing. When you stop comparing, you will stop competing. Because you're never going to be able to get it good enough. There's always somebody that's going to have something better than you. So there's a time that you have to just stop comparing. You know, stop comparing your spouse to somebody else's. Stop comparing your parents to somebody else. Stop comparing your uh, children to somebody else's. Stop comparing your professors, your teachers to somebody else. Stop comparing your employers to somebody else. When you stop comparing, you will stop competing. Stop it. It takes the pressure off. It takes stress away. Letter C is this, is conflict. That means you're threatened when anyone disagrees with you. You're threatened when someone disagrees. That's conflict. And I just want to help you with this, okay, because that's stressful. Listen, just because somebody disagrees with you does not mean they don't like you. Uh, can I say that again? Just because somebody disagrees with you does not mean they do not like you. You know, in our culture today, we're taught, oh, you hate her? You hate her? I said that to someone, someone the other day. I said something they didn't agree with. And they said, you hate her? Don't be hating on me. Like, friend, you ain't never seen hate yet. Whew. You know what I'm talking about? That ain't hate. Just because I say, you know what? Hey, well, here's my opinion on that. See what I'm talking about? We live in a culture. We live in a culture anymore to where it's wrong to say something's wrong. Isn't that amazing? Listen, I, I, we have to. The, how do you know to get? How do you know to get it right if you don't know it's wrong? I got a mentor of mine. Uh, he's older than me, and and there's times that I say stuff to him, and he. This is what he says. He says, "Now dolls." He's on the phone. Now dolls. That ain't right. And he just flat out tells me like it is. Well, you know what? At that moment, it stings. And but I have respect for him, so I'm like, well, you know what? I don't know that I agree with that. And so there's times that I say, okay, well, listen, we just need to stop this conversation now and hang up the phone. And then only the 24 hours later, let that process and realize that he was right. And then call him back up and say, you know what? You were right. But here's the deal. You see, you can't do better, be better till you know better. And if you're always calling everybody a hater that disagrees with you, you can't learn anything. So I had to learn to learn. So listen, when we, here's the deal. We can walk arm in arm even though we don't see eye to eye. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? And so, listen, this principle has had to be practiced in my marriage. How have you been married 29 years? I'll tell you. Because I've had to understand that, that Rhonda and I are not going to see eye to eye on everything. We just don't. 29 years we still don't. I know some of you think, well, if I get me another one, we'll be No, you won't. You won't. Just learn to deal with what you got. You see, and so we understand that there's some things that we're never going to see eye to eye on, but we're going to walk arm in arm anyway. Okay. Look what Matthew 6.33 says. 
This is KJV, by the way. He says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I want to tell you something that's going to help you right here. You ready? The key word there is first. Putting God first in your life solves 90% of your problem. That means, let me say it this way. Putting God first in your life makes 90% of the decisions that you've got to make, they're already made. It takes less stress. 90% of the decisions that you need to make, if God is first, if His Word is first in your life, then 90% of the decisions that you already got to make are already made, right? I mean, let's just go to the Ten Commandments, you know? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Well, you know what? Let's see. Should I say GD or not when I'm talking to people? Well, don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. I better not do that then. Let's see. Uh, number six. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Am I going to cheat on my wife? Well, you know, God says I, I shouldn't cheat on my wife. So, boom, there it is. Let's see. I'm going to go on the Internet. I'm going to go on Facebook, and I'm going I'm to blast somebody. I'm going to let everybody know how I feel about this person. Should I do that? Hmm, Matthew 7 12, the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Do I want somebody to do me that way? Well, I better not do that. See what I'm talking about? No matter what, 90% of all, it simplifies your life, is what I'm trying to tell you. It simplifies 90% of all, all the decisions that you need to make are already made if you'll, if you'll go by God's word, if you'll put him first. 90% are already made. It simplifies your life. So it, it, the decision is already made, so you don't have to say, what am I going to do? Well, oh, oops, I'm fretting. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, 90% are already said what I'm going to do. It reduces your stress. It simplifies your life. You see, the Bible instructs us that. That's why we're always saying the core four, right? And the core four is in your program every week. Why? We want you to grow in God's character by reading His Word. Why? So that you will know the decisions that are already made. It will make it easy for you. It'll make it very easy for you. And you'll become a person of character. You know that? When you start making your decisions based on God's Word, you know, you will become a person of character and you will go up wherever you are. You cannot stay down here if you start putting God's Word into practice. You'll go up. It just automatically happens. God takes you up. Why? Because you become a person of character and everybody wants people around them that they can trust. you agree with that? I mean, we want people that we can trust, right? And when you're a person of character, you will go up. You will go up. Because you'll become a person that you can, uh, people can trust. So my question to you is this. Who's going to be first in your life? Who are you going to put first? You're going to put your girlfriend first? You're going to put your boyfriend first? You're going to put your children first? Are you, are you, are you going to put your job first? Are you going to, are you going to put your... Spouse first? Or are you going to put your husband and wife first? Are you going to put your friend first? Who's going to be first? That's the number one question to reducing stress. Who's going to be first? Who's going to be first? And when you answer that question, when you answer that question, that God is going to be first, then again, it simplifies your life. Your life becomes simple. God's first. You say, well, why would I need to do it in the work? Well, I'll tell you why. Because there might be people there that's asking you to do things that you should not do that, that, that is uh, manipulating, cheating, stealing. And when you, you have to lay down at night and try to sleep on that. And that's a very difficult place to be, right? And, and you're always worried about getting caught. It's stress, stress, stress. But when you put God first, you say, listen, I'm sorry, but I just cannot go there. Listen, when you're dating, oh, when you're dating, listen, when you're dating, whoo, when you're dating, just go ahead and set the 
far up. Okay, right here. Here's where we're going. We ain't going any further. Why? Because I'm putting God first. Right? When you on your job, wherever you go, just put God first. Go ahead and set the bar. That way say, so people know what to expect. All right, I better move off of that one. So here's, here's remember we said, remember we said it's about reducing stress. It's about letting go and what? Letting God. Let's say that again. You ready? Letting go and letting God. Letting go and letting God. Letting go and letting God. Okay, so here's the next step I have for you in the back of your connection card. It says this. I will make it a goal in my life to put God first. Will you make that a, your primary goal? If you will do that, my friend, we want to pray for you this week. Okay, so we're at number three now. You ready? The principle of meditation. Write that down. The principle of meditation. While you're writing that down, I see some stressful people. Let's see. I see them right over here in this corner, right over here. You ready? Here we go. Everybody looking up over here? Look, I don't want to hit you in the head. This thing may knock you out. You ready? Here we go. Over there. Boom. There we go. Look at that shot. So here's the, what's the principle of meditation. The principle of meditation is, is make a habit of personal prayer. Make a habit of personal prayer. I can't say enough about this. Look what the Bible says. It's actually talking about Jesus. It says, very early in the what? Let, let me read that again. You ready? Very early in the what? While it was still dark, Jesus did what? Woo, there's the first part right there. Boom, you got to get out of bed. Very early in the morning, Jesus got up, left his house, or left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he did what? So notice that. Very early in the morning, got out of bed, left the house, went and prayed. So very early in the morning, got out of bed, and prayed. See what I'm talking about? That was how he started his day. Jesus said prayer was, is ginormous in stress reduction. He showed us this. It's ginormous in stress reduction. And so let me just say this to you. No matter how busy Jesus got, he always took time to pray. So I want to encourage you today. Listen, I want to encourage you. The first thing in the morning is when you get out of bed, why don't you talk to God first? Why don't you have a conversation with God? You say, Jeff, how do you do that? How do you have a conversation with God? I'll tell you how. This is how you do it. Is that you go somewhere and you just open up the Bible just for a few minutes and you read maybe a passage, you know, maybe a chapter. And listen, a chapter in the Bible is not like a chapter in the book when you was in school. You know, you say, okay, then he said, we're going to read four chapters before you come back tomorrow. That means 150 pages. You're like, oh, God, no. And we talk about reading the Bible. You think a chapter. No, a chapter might not even be a page. So it's real simple. So you read the Bible and let God talk to you. And then guess what? After you do that, he's talked to you. Then you talk back to him by prayer. And you just talk to him like you're talking to me. And when you do that, it's what Jesus did. Early in the morning, he got up. It was the first part of his day. You see, when you put God at the beginning of your day, it reduces the stress throughout the day. See, many of you dads here today, many of you fathers, good men, you see, you intend to say, okay, well, I'm going to do this. And then, like, the morning gets away from you, and then the lunchtime gets away from you, and then you're, you know, you're, like, working hard, and then you've got the kids, you're trying to help get them the games and stuff, and you're trying to do all this stuff, you know. And then when the evening time comes, and you just fall into bed. Only to roll out again tomorrow and repeat the process over. 
Why? Because it's drudgery. Like, oh, no, i got to do it. But when you look forward to getting up in the morning because you're going to meet your Heavenly Father, it makes you want to get out of bed. And when you see in the morning when you roll out and you start talking to God, then, man, you can go. You, you can actually uh, begin this conversation with God, and you know He's with you all day long. It just it does something to your stress reduction. I want to challenge you to do that. The problem that we have in our culture is that we just can't be still that long, can we? Listen, we can't be still, can we? I mean, matter of fact, I thank you right now. I thank you for not having your cell phones out scrolling Facebook right now. I thank you for that. Because, listen, you know why? Like, any time that, that we're bored, any time that we get by ourselves, what do we do? We get our phones out. We start scrolling, right? We can't stand silence. We can't stand for our minds to be still. We've got to think about, what is everybody else doing? What are they thinking? You know, how many times they go to the bathroom? Whatever. I don't know. But here's the problem with that. You see, if you're always reading everybody else's thought, you never have a thought of your own. You see, God, you can't get better just by looking at what everybody else is doing. Maybe God wants to speak to you, and you've got to be still. You've got to be quiet in order for Him to speak. Would you agree with me that our culture is getting in a hurry? Are we living at a faster pace than we did 10 years ago? You agree with that? Let me ask you something. Are we closer to God as a nation today than we were 10 years ago? So maybe, maybe there's a connection between us being more busier and being further away from God. And our kids pay the price, by the way, when that happens. And so maybe the devil's greatest tool in, our, in his arsenal is this, is saying, I'm going to keep you so busy that you're going to run away, that you're going to be away from God. Now here's the deal. This is what I found out. The more we feel lost, the faster we go. You know, years ago, um, I, when I was a teenager, my family uh, went hunting, deer hunting. And they would take me, you know, and I went with hunting with some friends one time, and they took me out in the middle of the woods and stuck me up on a stand and said, okay, listen, watch out for the deer, you know, he's going to come along, but if he doesn't come along before dark, then you get out of the stand, you go up to this old logging road over here and go straight up here, and the, you'll find the trucks parked up there. Okay, sounds great. Well, all of a sudden, you know, it starts getting dark, I hadn't seen no deer, I'm bored to death, I'm like, okay, come on, you know, we've got to go. So I climbed down out of the tree, and I can tell you something. About dark, all those trees start looking alike. And so I'm freaking out, man. I'm in, I'm in the middle of the woods. I'm little Rambo. I'm going, and so I start freaking out. So I start, you know, man, I start looking, trying to go. I don't see no logger road. So I start running over here, not there. So I start running. I'm not kidding. I'm running through the wood trying to get to that logger road before it gets dark. And there's nothing. And the, and the more lost I felt, the faster I went. And I finally had to stop. Say, Jeff, get yourself together, boy. And once I stopped and got still, got my bearings, and I was able to walk out of those woods. And the faster pace we go, often the more we speed up going in the wrong direction. Would you agree with that? So here's what I want to ask you to do. On your connection card, I want you to take a next step with me, if you will. It says this, I will do my best to give God the first 10 minutes of my day. Would you, would you check that box with me? Listen, it doesn't, you say, well, what if I forget to? That's okay, that's okay. Just say, the fact that you're checking that box means it's on your mind. It's in the front of your mind. Okay, number four, let's write this down. Number four is transformation. Transformation. Will you write that down? Transformation simply means this. Let's read it out loud together. It's on your outline. Come on, you ready? Give your stress to... 
Oh, come on, let's try that one more time. I'm getting weaker. You're losing steam on me here. You ready? Come on. Give your stress to Jesus. Okay, well, let's just give some stress over here. You guys ready? There it comes. Whoa, whoa, walk up. Boom. Hey, I got the Braves player over there. You see what it's... What are you laughing at? Right here comes another one over there. There you go. There we go. All right. Okay. Your greatest lesson today, takeaway, I got pegged in the head with a ball today. Matthew eleven twenty eight. look what it says. Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your what? For my burden is easy. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's what I want to tell you. You need rest in your soul. Listen to this. Watch this. Here we go. What is your soul? We're so confused about our soul. The soul is the deepest part of your consciousness. That is when you ask God in your life, that's where He lives. And what is that purpose of that? Your consciousness guards your thoughts. And then your thoughts guard your will. You know, your will, that means that you feel like you should do something. And your will guards your body. You see what I'm talking about? So in other words, your soul, listen, your soul says to you, when your mind starts thinking something that shouldn't, your conscience says, no, don't do that. And then your mind, then your body, then your will says, you know, I really would like to do this, but your mind says, no, don't do that. And then all of a sudden, you might just want to just jump into action, but your, but your, uh, your will says, no, don't do that. So when you've got God saving your soul, what does he do? He saves your soul by one, helping your mind to say, oh, that's the wrong thought. Why? So that your will won't go that way and so that you won't act on what you thought about. Right? God saved my soul. Jesus said you're going to find rest in your soul. And when you have rest in your soul, guess what? You're at rest. And you cannot have that on your own. You can't have it on your own. You see, putting God first. One more thing here. When he's, he's first in your life, you're praying about something. You see, the reason that you should put God, have God first is because when you have issues, and everybody's going to have issues, even though you become a Christian, you're still going to have stress. He just helps you deal with it, right? So if you have God on the front end, guess what? You can expect God in the middle of your problem, and He'll be there to show you the end of your problem, right? But the problem in our culture is this, is that we only want God when we get in the middle of it. But if you will start off from the beginning, dads and moms, if you will start off with God in the beginning, that 10 minutes a day, God, I put you first, I put you first, and then guess what? When you get in the middle of it, you'll know that God is there with you. You see, you cannot have peace until you have the Prince of Peace. That's why, you know that a, 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 a good number, a good percentage of our high school students are graduating high school and they're so stressed out and they have so much anxiety that medication like for anxiety is huge among High school graduates. Why? Because they're so stressed out. You see, we're trying to give peace without the Prince of Peace. You've got to be connected to the Prince of Peace to have peace. That's the way you were created. You'll never have peace without Jesus. I, I hate to tell you that, but you'll never have peace without Jesus. Let me tell you this. It reminds me of a story that I read. There was a guy whose son was had an accident. He was 13 years old. He went to a science class. They were doing a lab and there was a chem they mixed some chemicals together and the, the chemicals exploded and it went into the son's face and he was, he was blind. The chemicals blinded him at 13 years of age. 
The, the, the boy felt he was so depressed because he had his whole life ahead of him. Now he's blind. How's he going to deal with this? And everybody was sympathetic to him. But you know, time went on and the boy just was drifting more and more into depression. And the dad finally said, listen, son, you know, you, you've been down long enough. Now it's time for you to get up and make a life for yourself. He said, now listen, today your assignment is this. He said, you know the storms are coming and every year you get that ladder out and you put the storm windows up around our house. Now this year I'm expecting you to do the same thing today and you better have those windows up by the time I get home today. And the boy said, well, Dad, what if I fall off the ladder? What if this? He said, don't you worry about that, son. You just do get those storm windows up. And the dad went over to the door. He grabbed it and he opened the door and then he slammed the door and he stayed in the room with the boy. Well, every teenage boy, 13 years old, his dad just ticked him off. He started going, my beepity-beepity-beepity-beepity dad. The dad didn't say a word. He made sure not to make a noise. And that day, after that 13-year-old was whining and crying, he got out and he went and he found his way to the ladder. He found his way to where the, the covers would be for the windows. And as he was climbing up the ladder, the dad that day never stayed more than 20 feet away from his son, just enough to be out of sight or out of hearing range. And when the boy was working, the dad was watching. And every time that the boy would stumble, the dad would go closer to him and just be there in case he were to fall. And then at the end of the day, the son had, had found that he could put those up. And the dad, the dad acted like he'd come home and the son said, Dad, I did it. I got it. I got them all up. I want to talk to some of you just a minute. You see, you can't hear God, you can't see God, and you think He's not there, but I'm telling you, every step that you take, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Father is there by you. He's watching the ladder. You feel like you're going to stumble and you're going to fall and you feel like you don't know which way to turn and you're scared to death. But I'm telling you, your heavenly Father is there. He's, more, he's no more than a prayer way. He's right there watching you, going all the way. You can be the dad that you want to be. You can be the mom that you want to be. You can be the teenager you want to be. You can be who God's called you to be. Why? Because the Father is right there. He's right there. He's right there. God's presence is there. Would you stand with me now? Listen, you can't have peace without the Prince of Peace. Today, I'm going to pray a prayer today. And we're going to sing this song. And so as I pray this prayer, I want you to bow your heads. And many of you sitting here today, it's going to be your prayer. If this is you, you say, me too, God, and he'll understand it. Would you just bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, today, right now, in the name of your son, Jesus. Lord, I come to you and I ask you, God, to forgive my sins. Lord, today... Would you cleanse me of all wrong? And God, would you give me the power to turn away from my sins? Lord, God, I'm sorry. Today I need you. I need you to help me reduce this stress in my life. I need the Prince of Peace in my life right now. In Jesus' name, I need that. And if that's your prayer today here, would you just say, me too, God, me too, God, me too, God. And you begin your journey. Lord, for everybody else here, as we worship you, God, we sing about our Father. I pray that you would 
comfort our hearts today, then let us know that your presence is with us, oh God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, before you leave, on the back of your connection card, if you just check the box that I become a Christ follower. Now, would you just worship our Heavenly Father? Come on, let's worship Him together as we sing. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.